mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John 18. We're going to be beginning in verse 12 this week. If you'll remember with me, we have walked out of Lower Jerusalem, crossed the book, Brook Kadron, and into the garden, and Judas has met Jesus in the garden with a detachment of troops, um, and they are going to arrest him. Now, the interesting thing that's going on, and I want to point out as we review and remember what is going on, is we see as we close that Simon Peter, verse 10, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Malchus means king or kingdom. Uh, so Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? And, and just by way of understanding, let's just, let's just bring this back again, is that Peter is trying to fight a physical battle with a physical sword. And Jesus is going to correct him. Pay attention. Jesus is going to correct him. And there's many Christians today that are trying to fight a physical battle when we know that we serve a spiritual God in a spiritual kingdom. We serve a spiritual a God who has given us a spiritual battle that's been won for us, and now we have a spiritual walk. And we're not supposed to be fighting with physical tools, physical instruments, the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. It's not, it, they're in God. It's not a physical fight, and yet saints are fighting a physical fight. We're being sucked into this physical fight. Remember Peter? He had the great revelation that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not tell you that. The physical didn't tell you that. But my Father who's in heaven... And then not many minutes later, he takes Jesus aside and says, hey, hey, come here, come here. We're not going to do that. We're not going to go to Jerusalem and die. That's not the way this is going to happen here. And he said, get behind me, Satan, for you do not have the mind of Christ. And see, he was talking about it then. And when you talk about things, you give yourself permission. If you do not correct them with the word of God, Jesus himself corrected Peter with the word and he walked away and didn't hear the voice of God or the instruction of God. 
And now we see him with a physical sword once again trying to stop Jesus from drinking the cup that the Father has given him. And when you give yourself permission by ignoring the Word of God, then you end up in a physical battle. You end up in a physical fight, and that's not the one that God has called you to do, and you will get humbled. Listen to me, you will get humbled. Peter denies him three times in this text today. Because he's being humbled and brought low. The great news is, is that Jesus said to him, and Peter, when you return to me, strengthen the brethren. See, God knows what he needs to do. And you either humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and let him lift you up, or he will come and chastise you and humble you and bring you low. And the great thing is, is you want to stay low. You want to stay low because that's where fruit is grown from, is from staying low. Remember, we just, we just had Jesus step forward and said, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And they all fell down on the ground. They didn't stay there. They got back up and we went through it a second time. And he, they, he said, whom do you seek? And they still said the same thing. They were not corrected by the power of God. Can you be corrected by the power of God? Are you being corrected by the power of God? Or are you living in the world, calling yourself a Christian, and you have a form of godliness which denies the power thereof? It denies the power of God. See, because listen to me, what happened in the garden? What is the original sin from? The devil lied to Eve, and she changed her mind. She changed her mind about the character, nature, and will of God. She changed her mind about the authority of who God was in the garden. And she decided to listen to another voice. And so when salvation comes, what's the first word of salvation? Repent, metanoia, change your mind. And when Peter was told, hey, 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 get behind me, Satan. Your mind is not mindful of the things of God. Then should he have not changed his mind? But since he didn't change his mind and he kept following the Lord, we're not, we're not kicking him out of heaven. But he's going to get humbled. And now he's trying to fight a physical battle. He pulls out a sword. He's not a swordsman in the first place. He was a fisherman. He should have pulled out a fishing pole. He probably would have took the guy's head off. But that was not what he was supposed to be doing anyway. He said, he said, leave your boats, leave your nets. See, that's the problem in the world today. When God comes and calls you, we're supposed to be leaving our former occupation, resting in our works and entering into his occupation of the ministry of reconciliation of souls. Now it becomes his work by his power for his glory for such a time as this. And sadly, we have... Peter cutting off an ear. What's the cup that you're supposed to be drinking? See, these are things that we should know, right? Shouldn't we know what we're supposed to be drinking? What has God called you to do? What's your talents? What's your abilities? What, what's your identity in Christ? What are you supposed to be suffering and going through? Look, Jesus is drinking the cup of the cross. He knew it fully. What is your cup? What is your cup this morning? Do you know what's going on in your life and around you? Do you know that God is sovereign? Well, they shouldn't have cut me off. I can yell at anybody. I have rights. Do you? 
You're not even here. You belong to Christ. You've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. When he appears, your life will appear. This is not our life anymore. We've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. This is not my life anymore. It belongs to God to do whatever he wants to with it, to put me through and allow me to go through in his sovereignty in whatever he wants me to go through in order to glorify him and to use my life to save other souls. And yet we continue to chase everything else and run after everything else. Look at First uh, Peter. I know, you, I, I, I've been turning these into topicals, but it's fun. Uh, I have to give the message that the Lord calls me to give you and not the one that I want to give you. Uh, you wouldn't like the one I want to give you. Uh, but First Peter 4, I just want to read this to you. I don't want to spend a long time here, but I want you to understand that these gentlemen that fell on the ground... They could have stayed in that fissure. They could have stayed. When a seed falls to the ground and it dies, it bears much fruit. And they didn't stay down. And you and I have to learn as people of God, as children of God, if we believe in the word of God, the living word of God, then we have to follow his example. And when he humbles us or he, we humble ourselves and we're obeying him, we need to stay low and understand that there's nothing that we have. And there's nothing that we can do other than surrender to God. So 4.12 is where I want to start. And it's Peter talking later, after all of this, when he's already preached his sermon in Acts chapter 2, and, and 3,000 people get saved, and he's already been rebuked by Paul. And later he writes this letter, and he says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you to test you. Listen, things are going to happen and it's going to be fiery. Why? Because God's a consuming fire and he's trying to burn out the dross in our life now. He's trying to burn out the self, the sin and the Satan in our life now. The, the mind that is on the things of this world and on, not on the things of God. He wants to burn it out now through the things that we suffer and go through and the cup that we will be drinking. So don't think it's strange because of this as though some strange thing happened to you but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's suffering, Christ's cup, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and the spirit of God. I'm adding words to make sure you don't miss the context. For the spirit of glory and of God rest upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Listen to verse 15, because I want you to get this. But let none of you suffer for physical wrongs. I mean, for murder, for, uh, for, th th for th being a thief, for being an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Notice those are all physical things. Don't be suffering for physical things. Be about the Lord's business. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, suffers in italics, yet if anyone as a Christian, content already suffering, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. For the time has come. You guys still with me? The time has come for judgment. This is not eternal judgment. 
This is fiery judgment. This is burning out the dross. This is making a decision in your mind and deciding whose will you're going to follow, whose mind you're putting on. This is not fiery judgment. This is not eternal damnation because there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Are you one of his children? Then you should be judging things that are going on in your life. Am I fighting a physical battle? Am I living a physical life? Paul says in 4.12 of 2 Corinthians, we're not to consider anyone as flesh and blood anymore. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. This is not our home. We're supposed to be learning what our citizenship is in heaven, putting on the mind of Christ, looking up, laying up, lifting up Jesus. It's, it's time for it to begin in the house of God. Why? Because God always chastises and judges, and, and, and a parent should always take care of their own children first. You know how easy it is in our world today as busybodies that we always look at somebody else's house instead of our own? We're always trying to parent somebody else's children instead of our own. How, how easy is it to point at somebody and go, look what they're doing with their children, and you got three fingers pointing at you backward. But we're busybodies. We're always concerned about something. Instead of just being an example in deed and then in word, when they ask for counsel, we always want to be busybodies about somebody else's business instead of letting our house be judged. See, God's judging us. You go, well, why can't the world be like this? And why are they crazy? And why are they under delusion? Because they don't belong to God. Because they won't believe simple truth. So he put strong delusion upon them, but he's still dealing with his own children. We don't go off and go crazy and go get physical swords and start fighting physical battles because God's letting the world go to hell. They won't believe. We stay who we are because of who Christ is, because of what the Word says, because of what He's already taught us. We stand. We're going to see this in a minute. It's in our text. I just wanted to bring this up, what Peter would say later after he went through some stuff. I just want you to see what Peter would say after he got to the other side, just like Jesus. He, he counted it all joy. Remember in Hebrews 12? He despised the shame, but is now set down at the right hand of the Father. And now because he walked through the cross, now we can be saved. But if he would have not drank the cup, where would we be? He knew his calling. He knew what he came for. Oh, but he was God. No, he was led by the Holy Spirit. He was God in the flesh, but everything he did was by the Holy Spirit. We love to talk about how he was led up in the Spirit to, to be tempted by Satan, but everything else, he was God. No, he had the Spirit of God living in him, and he was listening to the Spirit of God. He was hearing the voice of God, because my sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. And he gave us a perfect example of what we're supposed to be doing. Listening to the voice of God. Judgment begins in the house of God because you're supposed to parent your own children. And God does a great job of parenting his children. In fact, he sent his first son to die for the rest of the children. So that he could save them all. And if it begins with us first, that's the word proton, by the way. What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now look at that word obey. 
See, because the connotation there is, is that we've been set free to obey, set free to follow. And he's pointing at the world saying they do not obey the gospel. They didn't hear it. They don't want to listen to it. They're, they're not saying that they believe in Jesus. But the ones who say they believe in Jesus should now be metanoia, a, a series of repentances, putting on the mind of Christ, learning what the truth is and stop walking in the lie and learning to obey. The good news is, is that when we're not obeying, he has 1 John 1, 9, and we can confess and agree with him and profess, that's not how I'm supposed to be living, Lord. I agree with you. And then he washes you and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. What's unrighteousness? Disobedience. It's everything that we do that's not obeying him because he's wanting to purify his own special people that will be zealous for good works, his works which is the ministry of reconciliation of souls. There's no other ministry going on. He sent his son to die for souls, and he's already died for all of them. So all the sin's been paid for. Now we have to run and learn to walk with endurance and tell others this message. 18, now if the righteous one is scarcely saved, we're righteous because of Christ's righteousness, not because of what we've done. If we're scarcely delivered from the sin nature, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Therefore, listen, this is because of everything he just said, therefore, when he's there, you always look up and see what it's there for. Let those who suffer according to the will of God Listen, there's lots of things going on in our lives, and it's not the will of God. It was because of bad decisions that we made to ignore the Word of God, and we end up with a sword in our hand fighting a physical battle instead of dying like Christ did, instead of staying low. There's lots of things we suffer for, but is it because you're out sharing the gospel and telling people that there's hope, and it's in Jesus the Christ? So if... Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit, trust, make a, an agreement with God, their souls to Him in doing good as a faithful creator. The elders who among you, verse 5, verse 1, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. This is what he says. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving, ministering as an overseer, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over them, over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Notice what he said. Shepherds serve, over, be overseers, willingly, eagerly be examples to those you've been entrusted with. Yet to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only to be an example. Likewise, you younger people, I had to get it all in, sorry, 
submit, hupotasso, align yourself in orderly ranking to your elders. Yes, and all of you be submissive to one another. Understand the gifting. Understand what God's doing. There's order. Align yourself in order to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Listen, listen, be sober. It's sober-minded, putting on the mind of Christ. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, seeking whom he may devour. How's he going to devour you? He lies to you. He gets you caught up in physical, fleshly, self, sin, and Satan stuff. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. How do you resist him? James 4, 7. Submit to God. That's the first thing always. Because it's starting in the house of God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Lament, mourn. James, James is, old camel knees really throws down on that. So go read James 4. But you resist him, but first you have to submit to God. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the sufferings are, excuse me, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And every, the same thing's going on in everybody. What, what things? Well, they didn't go through that. They didn't lose their wife. They didn't get destroyed over there. No, no, no. The same fiery trials that God's allowing to purify and cleanse you and get you across the finish line. It doesn't have to be the exact same thing, but we're all going through trials. We're all going through all these things, and you have to understand that God is sovereign. He's on the throne. He's allowing it so that you'll submit to Him, so that you'll listen to Him, so that you'll take His word and go, here's the wisdom of God, and I'm going to go through this. I'm going to get to the other side, and I'm going to have joy in it because I know God is perfecting me. God is the one that's doing the work in me. God is the one that's making me like him and getting me across the finish line because he loves me. How do I know he loves me? Because he is love and he's already given his only begotten son to save me. He's not mad at me. He's madly in love with me and he's trying to change me into his image and bring me into the truth, not to continue living a lie. And say, well, this is what church I go to, and this is what I do, and this is what we believe. I don't care what you believe. What does the Bible say? What does God say? That's what we want to hear is the voice of God. i got to finish this, and then we'll get back to our text. I just wanted to give you this little topical just as a, to sober me up. 510. But may the God of all grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, may the God of all grace, listen, he's the God of all grace. He's not here to punish you. He already took all the punishment and the wrath, the full wrath of God for sin. He's here to give grace upon grace. Where sin abounds, grace abounds more. Quit looking at the sin and look at the giver of the grace. 
and run with endurance the race that's been set before you, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, who for the joy that was set before him has, de- has went to the cross. He's despised the shame, but he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's where he has us setting positionally. But practically, we're still down here and the enemy keeps throwing bombs of lies at us and we keep believing them and catching them and carrying them instead of just looking unto Jesus who's already did it all for us. Because he is. It's the grace of God which has appeared to all men, teaching us all. Titus chapter 2, what is that, 2.11? For the grace of God has appeared to all men teaching us oh look at it let's look at it i don't know it right i should know it my brain went south timothy titus the teaser in alphabetical order for the grace of god that brings salvation see i left that out the grace of god that brings deliverance has appeared to all men teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. His, his uh, theology is great. He knows he's the God and the Savior who gave himself for us that, we might, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify, sanctify, set apart, cleanse for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Are you zealous for good works? Or are you zealous for the entertainment culture? Are you zealous for the TV? Are you zealous for this world? Are you zealous for all the stuff that glitters that doesn't lead to heaven? New nature, new operating system. The grace, here it is, but many, but 510, and I'll get back there. But may the God of all grace who called us you pick up the phone to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus that's the avenue through Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while may he perfect establish strengthen and settle you to him be the glory and the dominion forever amen I love that stuff gives me great hope even when I mess up see we're the B team but here's the A team he's got a sword out cutting people's ears off right he's the A team He's the inner three. He's on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know why, right? Because Peter was the biggest mess up of them all. And James and John was the next two. That's why they're called the sons of thunder. They wanted to call thunder down on them. Peter wants to cut heads off. They don't want to listen and just stand in the victory of Christ and tell others the good news that it's been paid for. Paid in full to tell us die. Surrender and enjoy it. That's why he made me the pastor. I'm the biggest mess up of us all. I'd be home sorting my socks right now. That's the only thing I get an amen for. Ain't that? <laughs> it's, it's normal. Thanks. Uh, I won't call you out by name on the video. So, back in our text, what's Peter doing? He's trying to, with his physical actions, keep Jesus from drinking the cup. What's keeping you from drinking the cup today? Once again, do you understand that God is sovereign? It's not somebody else you're fighting against. It's not your spouse. It's not your boss. 
It's not the guy that was in the car in front of you that won't speed up and get you, so you can get there faster. It's God that's dealing with you. He loves you. He knows everything going on, and he's working on your heart. He's, he's the great physician doing heart surgery, and he knows how to cut away at the flesh, and he's circumcising your heart. He's cutting away all the excess flesh and making you like him because no flesh is going to glory in front of God. In fact, in fact the spirit uh, uh, lusts against the flesh, Galatians 5.16 tells us. The spirit is jealous of the flesh and doesn't want us to follow the flesh. But it's out of love. When we're jealous and we desire and lust after something, it's usually for our own selfish reasons. So this morning, are, are you here to hear the word of God so that your mind can change because you're putting on the mind of Christ and you know how to go out and be equipped and tell others that Jesus died for them? That he is risen again or are you here to figure out how to make yourself feel good about yourself see much of the church goes to church to feel good i did my duty now i can go live in the world and be entangled and caught up and and chase everything else that everybody else is chasing every one of these people in the bible that were serving god what happened they suffered for serving god all all these disciples were killed for serving god and Paul was one of my favorite because they stoned him to death outside of Thessalonica. And he got back up and he got in a car and he left and he said, I'm going to get my gun and my swords and we're going to fight. We're going to throw down up in Thessalonica. This guy gets back up and goes back into the city and starts preaching again. Well, we have rights. We have a constitution in America. There's some courts that set some stuff down. God is on the biggest court of the of, of the of the etern- or the uh, the universe. He sits on that bench, and what he says matters, not what the Constitution of the United States of America says. That's a physical document. This is a spiritual document. This one is the will of God. He had to die and to enact it so that you and I would have the executor, the Holy Spirit living in us to teach us what to do because of what it says. Well, I think this means I can go out and do what I want. I think not. And the Spirit of God will convict you about that because there is a will of God. And even when you read his word, it's not just the word. It's the, all the in thoughts in, included in it. That's why he's working on the thoughts and intents of our hearts. Because we think we got it going on, and I figured it out, and now I'm in this little groove, and I can keep running. And God's like, well, I'm getting ready to take that groove and flip your life upside downward because I need to humble you. So the cry is, is humble yourself in the sight of God, and he will lift you up. So when you're hearing the word of God, you should be saying, oh my goodness, wow, me? And, and he loves me enough that he would die for me? And, and I didn't even know it? And me? And it should be for you. You ever listen to the word of God and you go, man, I wish my brother was here. I wish my, my wife was here. My husband was here. I wish my boss was here, hearing this sermon right now. It's for us. It's not for them. 
God is speaking to them. The question is, is do we hear what God is saying? Are we hearing to act upon what God is saying or hearing to feel pious about what God is saying? I got a little knowledge in what God says. What? Whoa, 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 whoa. What about some action in what God says? What about being doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself? Oh, yeah, I'd like to be sitting down there, but I, he told me to say this, not to sit down there and listen to it. Oh, I heard it yesterday. Believe me. It's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Judgment starts in the house of God. God cleans up his own yard. He brings his own kids out, and then he lets the world go crazy. He's going to take us home to be with him. Let's read. John 18, 12 and following, and then we'll pray. I forgot to do that last week. Then the detachment of troops and the captain of the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away first to Annas, uh, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And Simon Peter followed Jesus uh, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, you are not also one of the man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers who had made the fire of coal stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. The high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Jesus answered, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet, and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Therefore they said to him, You are not also one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Let's pray. Father, open this word to us that it would do heart surgery on us and we would be equipped to go out and live differently because we changed our mind. Change our desires, Lord, as you change our mind. Give us uh, a, a desire to change our mind, Lord, and no longer live for self. Pour out your spirit now in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, we have 1812 and we have uh, then the detachment troops of troops is in italics. It's actually uh, uh, in the King James, it's a band, a band, a mass of men. And it's a Roman military cohort. And the captain that you see there is actually a captain of a thousand. So they believe that there was anywhere from two to 600 men there to arrest one. 
which is interesting in itself. But I like the word band instead of detachment because I was thinking about band and, and how the other day we looked in Romans 6 and in Romans 6, we were called instruments. And I'm thinking, look at the way this band is, the devil is playing these men like instruments. He's playing them because they won't listen to truth. They won't follow Jesus. And who are they following? They have come with their manufactured lights and torches and weapons with Judas, the betrayer, the one who sat at the table with Jesus, and they're following a liar. And then Jesus is there with his disciples, and he's the light of the world. And what did they do? They followed him across the brook Kadron into a garden. Where, where, where it's the Garden of Gethsemane. And so what's going on in your garden? Is the seed of God the light of your life? Or is Judas the light of your life? Is it a manufactured light? Is it some weapons? Is the devil playing you like an instrument in his orchestra? Or are you worshiping God by following Jesus the Christ, the light of the world? Are you standing with him? Notice we're going to see some things go on here. Some decisions have to be made. Judas made his, he went out and it was dark. The boys following Jesus, what Kadron means dark. They followed Jesus across this water that was dark, but they're still with Jesus. It's going to get dark sometimes. There's going to be suffering, but he's leading us out of this world. Not, not, not leading, we're not following some false leader to come and arrest Jesus, to come and kill the word of God, to bind him and lead him away. We're trying to set him free as the people of God. We want to set him free. Take him out into the marketplace and set him free. But those that manufacture their own light and have a form of godliness that deny the power thereof, those that are following the mind of the Antichrist, those whose minds are not on the things of God. See, there's one in his group. There's still one in his group, but he didn't let him leave out of the upper room because he's going to change him. But Judas chose silver instead of salvation. What do you choose? So here's this band uh, of troops and the captain and officers, which is under oarsmen. It's servants, really. It's just assistants. It's people that assist uh, the, the captain. But, it, but the word for, uh, for it is under oarsmen. Remember them guys in the bottom of the boat? Ho, ho, ho. And they go, heave, ho. That's under oarsmen. And they're the power behind it. Here's one guy with, with a voice, and he's put in charge, and he says, let's go arrest him. All you guys come with me. He's the captain. And then there's all these assistants that's doing the work. We call them useful idiots today. But really, in the spiritual realm, these guys are seriously demonic, and they go write books about things that look like Jesus, and they, they're made up light, and they're lanterns, and there's torches, and there's instruments, and they put the Word of God in captivity and lead it away because you won't read your Bible and spend time with Jesus and follow the true light of the world. No, it's not a legalism. No, it's not a, a, a exercise where you're doing a work to be saved. But if you're saved, you want to know who saved you. You want to know why. You want to know what's coming. You want to know what he's doing. And he's sharing it all freely in the pages of Scripture to those who will come and hear his voice. He wants to speak to us. And he wants to keep you from following the lies of this world. 
and he wants to set you free for freedom's sake. So here they are, and they arrested Jesus and bound him. Guess what? He let them. Just in case you're wondering. Remember, he stepped forward and said, who do you seek? He was in full control in the garden. He's in full control always. He knows what's going on. They could not have bound him unless he let them. But what is he doing? He's drinking the cup that the Father gave him. No resistance to the Father's will. See, when you're fighting against everything in the physical... You're fighting against the will of the Father to allow the fiery trial to change you. Instead of asking for wisdom, asking for help, asking how do I go through this, how do I walk by faith, we start fighting. Get the guns, get the swords, let's get the Constitution out, lay it out. I know we've got rights here. And you're fighting against the cup that He's given you to drink. Because it's what you have to go through to get where you're going. God's sovereign. There's nothing that's happening like, no, 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 wait a minute now. I know I don't have to go through that one, a bet. Why do you think Jesus labored so hard in the garden? Where did he win it at? In prayer. Little Gethsemane, chapter 12. He won in prayer as he found out the will of the Father. Prayer is not to get your will. It's to turn your heart into God's will. Prayer, you go to God and say, get my heart right, Lord. And he won in Little Gethsemane when he said, not my will, but thy will be done. And he had hematidrosis. He sweated great drops of blood where blood came out of his capillaries because in his prayer, he, he agonized so much in prayer. It was already settled here. Notice Peter hasn't settled nothing. He heard the word of God, but he didn't believe the word of God. He didn't listen to Jesus and understand that his mind was been tra had been trained by the world. And just as Moses, now God's taken the world out of Moses. Now he's doing the same with you and I through fiery trials, through the things that we suffer. So every stimulus that's going on, he's taking the world out of your mind. He's taking the training of Antichrist out of your mind. And he wants you to put on his mind. A mind of humility that had all the power in the world. And he came down and humbled himself and became a servant and died for us. He went into the ground so that we would know where we're supposed to go. Into the ground, crucified, into the ground, dying. Philippians 2, if you want text. Actually, let's just read it. Philippians 2. 2, 5 through 11, I think, is... We just read it. It's a great text. Paul writing to the church in Philippi. Uh, 2, 5. Let this mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus. I'm not there yet. Uh, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Oh, wait a minute. I need to have a reputation. I need to have a testimony. No, reputation is not a testimony. Okay. Two different things. You have to be tested through a fiery trial to have a testimony, right? Reputation is something you build in the flesh. Testimony is something built in the spirit. 
no reputation, taken the form of a bondservant, that's a doulos, that's one that voluntarily does the will of the Father, and coming in the likeness of men, flesh, so that he could be our kinsman redeemer. He has to be our nearest of kin, or he can't buy us back from our uh, uh, sin nature. And being, this is verse 8, and being in the form, or excuse me, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. And what happened there? Therefore, God has also highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth, to the praise uh, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See who's glorified? God the Father. That's what we're doing here. When we believe in Jesus and live like Jesus and let Jesus lead us, and we become betrothed to Jesus, then he's washing and cleansing us and preparing us as a bride for the wedding supper of the Lamb so that the Father could be glorified in his spectacular plan of redemption that he began long before sin, before the foundation of the world. So here's this detachment of troops, and they bound him. He let them bound him. They let, he let them do that. And you can yell, you have rights, but what if you're supposed to be speaking to somebody where they're taking you at? That's what you always got to consider. What is God doing? Well, why are they arresting me? I didn't do nothing. Well, maybe you're supposed to speak to somebody that did do something that's arrested already. Why do I have a flat tire? Maybe the, the record driver needs to get saved. Well, why did I get fired? Maybe your new job You'll quit living for yourself and you'll start living as a ministry field and you'll share Jesus with the people that you encounter and you could walk in on a new, new uh, fresh mission field and start telling them about Jesus. So he let them bind him. He's still in control. But guess what? As they're leading, look, they bound him, verse 13, and they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caius, who was high priest that year. Now listen to me. They led him away. And as they're leading him away, guess what? They're getting further and further away from truth. Because they're, I mean, and many people go to church and then they bound up, they bind up that word and they say, that's not for me. And they bind up that and they say, it's not for me. I'm just going to tie that up. And they keep leading the word of God around, but they're not letting the word of God lead them around. And they get further and further away from truth because their heart gets harder and harder and that seed cannot grow in that hard dirt. But if you fall to the ground, you can be broken and it will split open and it will raise up and produce fruit. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold that looks like love and it has joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control in it. Real easy to talk about, hard to, hard to live. I get it. I get it. I just have to proclaim it. I'm just heralding it. Very difficult, but we should be growing in it. We should be going toward it. We should know the mark we're supposed to be hitting. We should have a heart to do it and then let the Holy Spirit lead us in it. But most people say, no, I already said a prayer. I'm saved. Really? If you have not the Spirit of God, you're not God's. And every person I know that's saved want to get into, wants to get into the Word of God and know, what love is this? What God would die for me? I'm a wretch. So the Spirit of God would 
obviously want to take you into the things of God and help you to see the Son of God who died for your sins and show you the plumb line of what we're supposed to be doing. And the more you get into that grace and the more you get into that salvation that has appeared, the more you humble yourself and you lay down on the ground. You're going to worship God on your face. You're not going to be one of those like in the garden where he said, I am, and they fell on their backs. Falling on their backs is not biblical. That's, that's the enemies of God that fall on their back. Those that are worshiping God, they keep getting lower. Remember the wheat and the tear? Right? They both look just alike, wheat and tear. And the one that's filling up with God's knowledge and his truth and his love, and they're getting it, they, it starts to go like this. When that head gets full of fruit, it just bows down. But the tares, they just stay right up there. They're, not, they're, they're taking that word and leading it away captive. And they said, I listened to the same sermon you did. Well, it doesn't matter. The same sun that, that hardens the ground melts the wax. Which heart is your, the word of God falling on on you? This stuff has, I mean, God's all powerful. This has to, it has to change you if you're in it has to change you. Where are we at? Verse 14? Wait a minute. Let's, let's talk about 13 a little bit. I got way too much material. Uh, he was led away, right? And he went to Annas first. Now, why Annas first? Annas means this. I just want you to know because we're talking about getting humble. Annas means humbled. That's what his name means, humbled. It's hidden in the text, even though we're talking about this. Annas means humbled. Why is Annas humbled? See, Annas is the true high priest according to the order of Aaron. But since they're in bondage and they've quit listening to God, the government put Caiaphas, his son-in-law, in as high priest. So at this time, there's two high priests. How many high priests are in your life? What does the government put into your life? A constitution. I'm not going to say nothing. What does the government put into your life? Some American dream. I'm not going to say anything about what it might be. What does the constitution, or excuse me, or the American dream, or something else put into your life that has become high priest that you're following instead of the true high priest in humility that you're following? Listen to me. Because Jesus is our true high priest now. He's a high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. And because of Jesus, our high priest, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We don't have to stay in the Gentiles' court. We come into God's house, into his throne room. We become children of God, and it begins with us. We're the ones that are going back out and going, hey, wait a minute, stop. You guys are chasing the wrong thing. Become God chasers. Tell others about God. Live in a way that God will see. Listen, Annas is not the high priest, but he's still respected by the true people that know that he is the high priest. It's a high priest forever. It's a whole life. Until he dies, nobody else is supposed to take his place. Then one of his five sons would have taken his place. By the time Caiaphas is high priest already, all five of his sons have been deposed by Rome even. Because they're letting the government control their worship. And it's going on again right now, completely. When you let the high priest be the nightly news, when you let the high priest be the, the nuggets that they're telling you, instead of the high priest being Jesus who's leading you to the word of God for his glory to save souls, 
and everything else that you're caught up in, it becomes that what you talk about. It's easier to talk about the war in Israel. I'm, I'm amazed, and I'm not mad, and don't get mad at me if you put something up that said, pray for Israel. We've always been praying for Israel. Why would you just put it up now? Like, oh, this is my identity. Now I'm coming out of the closet. It's God's firstborn son. You always pray for Israel. Why did it take somebody bombing them or terrorizing them for you to put it on your Facebook? I'm not picking on you. I really am not. And I know that I'll get emails, but listen, I don't answer emails. We got to wake up in the church. We're living just like the world. And they, 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 they literally killed every one of Jesus' peoples for living differently because of who he was. For letting him freely go out and tell others about Jesus. That's all we're called to do is be witnesses. That's it. You're not called to be a rock star, not a rock star preacher. You're not called to be anything special in the church. You're called to be a witness. I know some of us has the gift of evangelism and some of us have giftings of teaching and shepherding and all those things. That's all part of God's kingdom. But all of these people that are in his house are a witness that this is a good house. This is a house that died for us. This is the house that set us free. This is the house where you can live for eternity. Or you can live in the devil's house now and in eternity. It's your choice. All we're supposed to do is proclaim it. Not my job to soften your heart. Not my job to do anything but proclaim it and let the seed fall where it falls. So Annas is not even the high, I mean, he's being treated terrible. He's taken out of place, but it was his own decisions that probably led him there because the whole nation uh, is, is apostate. Uh, and he's the father-in-law of Caiaphas. And Caiaphas means um, comely. It's actually the word Hananiah in the, in the uh, Hebrew which means favored by God. Remember, Caiaphas is the one that said this. Uh, uh, oh, it tells us that, doesn't it? Uh, verse 14, Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. And see, the Holy Spirit can use anybody. Listen to me. You say, well, they ain't even saved. How'd they say that to me? God is sovereign. He used a donkey to speak to Balaam, and Balaam ignored the donkey. Think about it. God uses anything to speak to us. He's using everything around you to speak to you. The question is, is are you listening? Do you care about his voice? Are you looking to hear what he's saying and humble yourself and let him lift you up in due time? We got to get those flowers out of here. They got bugs growing on them and they're crawling on my Bible. I think they're the flies, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. So Caiaphas, he's the one that said that one man must die uh, for the people. Listen, is your high priest dying for souls or is your high priest dying for a country or a nation or something else? Pay attention. This false, Caiaphas is the false high priest, but he can be used. He can actually, I mean, a blind squirrel find a nut every once in a while if he scurries around. He can be used by God just like the donkey. But he's not the true high priest. He's been placed there by the government of Rome, and they're in bondage. And they won't even confess that they're in bondage. Remember chapter 8? 
We've never been in bondage to anyone. Excuse me? I got to keep going. We're getting lost here. So they lead him away. Lead away actually is apago, atos apago, and it can mean put to death. Because remember, that's their intention. They already decided that they're putting him to death. One has to die. That's why we're being reminded of this. They're not going to give him a trial. They're not, they're not leading him away to go, let's find out if he's guilty. They've already concluded that he's guilty. They became judge, jury, and executioner all at once, except they're in bondage to Rome, and they're not allowed to kill their prisoners. They don't have death penalty anymore. They have to turn him over to Rome. And that's what you're going to see. They're going to leave out his time at Caiaphas' house. The other Gospels don't. And they take him straight from the true high priest, Annas. He goes to Caiaphas. John doesn't mention it. But then they go to Pilate. And that's where you end up next week if we don't get raptured out. They end up at the praetorium uh, over there. And this is important stuff, guys, because guess what's happening? Guess what happens at the end of this in verse 40, which is the number of judgment? They choose Barabbas. Verse 40, the number of judgment. Their judgment. Here he is taking the judgment for the sins of the world, and their judgment was Barabbas, a murderer, an insurrectionist, a liar. They chose the son of the father instead of God himself, the son of the true father of light. In verse 40. Verse 15. And Simon Peter followed Jesus... And so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest, to Annas, and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. Now, now notice this, followed means to be in the way with. So he's, he's, he's still following, uh, even though he's in the flesh, he's following. Even though he's not getting it all the way, he believes. Even though he's not getting it all the way, he's still using his own resources, and God has to humble him and take those from him. And so did another disciple. Now you're going to see that come up a lot in the next uh, uh, 19, 20, 21, because John doesn't mention his own name, but it's John. It's John himself. And he says the one Jesus loves like four times in the next three chapters. And he never mentions his own name because he don't want to draw attention to himself. But John means, or Jonathan means, the, uh, 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 Jehovah has graced us. Or, or the grace of God is what I always say John means. It's the grace of God. And notice that the grace of God is there also. But Jesus is still here, so the grace isn't being shown yet. And John's following. And J the grace of God's going to go outside and bring Peter in. That's how you and I came into the kingdom. We came into the courtyard. We came into the place with the true high priest by the grace of God. And that's what Jonathan really means, or John. So pay attention here. Don't, don't get lost in the details because there's some amazing stuff going on. So he's in the way with him, and so is John. Uh, and John was actually known uh, by the high priest uh, and went into the courtyard. So he's acquainted with them. Where's that at? Oh. Known is the word uh, nostos, which is an acquaintance or notable or well-known. So, and he goes into the yard or the courtyard, and, and then we see... Verse 16, but Peter, 
stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, John, went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Now think about this. He's standing at the door. And that's where we're all standing unless we make a decision to humble ourselves and stay down. We're all standing at the door. Jesus is the door. He's taking the judgment inside the door in the courtyard. He's under arrest. He's, a, he's having a, a false jury trial. It's not even legal. Everything about the trial was illegal, which is sad because they don't go into Pilate because they're afraid they might make themselves unclean. They don't go into the praetorium. They're afraid they might be defiled in the Passover's coming. Remember, you don't see a lot of this stuff with, with, with John that's covered in the other synoptic gospels. But the Passover weekend is coming because he dies on the 14th in the Son as the Passover lamb that takes away the sins of the world, just like Exodus 12. But we're not seeing this here because it's written some 35 years later, and that's all written in the first three gospels. But Jesus is the door. And here's Peter standing at the door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Revelation 3.20. And if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. And notice the grace of God comes out and opens the door for Peter and brings him in because he's acquainted with this. Oh, I could go for, for days. Because Jesus is the grace of God that brings salvation. And Jesus is acquainted with our sins. He's acquainted with our suffering. He's acquainted with us because he became flesh so that he could become our high priest. And he would know. So John comes out, brings Peter in. The word uh, stood uh, is histami or histami. It's the place uh, 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 where we abide, continue, and remain. It's what the word that's used in uh, Ephesians 6, when having done all, to stand. See, we're, we don't have to fight. We just stand and hand out the spoils from the spoil house in heaven. We're handing out the truth. We're handing out the grace. We're handing out the mercy. We're handing out the word of God to others. It is finished paid for in full to tell us die and he's standing outside he's in a place of decision isn't he look at the decision he made he denies christ three times even though the grace of god brought him in he's going to deny him three times i'm not one of him see this decision has to be made in prayer, it has to be made in your heart. It has to be decided long before you go out there. Young people, it has to be made before you get in the back seat of somebody. You have to make these decisions in your heart, what you're going to do, how you're going to live, who you're going to listen to, which word you're going to pay attention to. Are you putting on the mind of Christ? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, considering the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be that evidence. Be that witness. Be the one with the fruit. And don't be afraid of it. Romans 12, 1 and 2. 
So he's standing at the door, and the grace of God brings him in. But the grace of God spoke to the doorkeeper, the one who keeps the door. He was at the door, the portal, the gate. He was outside, without, outward. Brought him in and introduced him. Have you been introduced to Jesus? The servant girl. Let's go. 17. I got to get this done. We're out of time. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. What say you? Now think about it because we need to be prepared. Things are going to get worse in our society. And today you're being prepared to make up your mind to say, am I going to stand up for Christ or am I going to be ashamed of the gospel? Or am I going to stand up for Christ? When you get to the water fountain tomorrow morning and they're making jokes and they're mocking Christ, they're mocking Israel. What are you going to do? Walk away? Be careful. You're the witness that's there on purpose, and God knew what they were going to say before you even left this room today. And He put you there on purpose to inject truth. And you don't have to grab them and bounce their head off the wall and knee them in the face and say, Don't talk about Israel. That's flesh. You can say something very simple like, well, have you considered what the Bible says about Israel, that they're God's firstborn son? And then how in the New Testament they come to life on May 14th, 1948, and he brought them back from the dead the same way he did Jesus. See, there's a whole bunch of Christians that know nothing about the Bible, and they're against Israel. But that's God's firstborn son who he brought out. He brought Abraham out of Ur of Chaldean, which is what all this system is you're listening to now is Chaldean intelligentsia. It's, it's earthly central demonic wisdom. It comes from the devil, but it comes from the Chaldeans. All of it does. Go trace it. It all comes from the same spirit, the spirit of Antichrist, which is what Judas is following right now with his own made up light, his own torches, his own weapons or instruments being played like a fiddle by the devil. And Peter's standing here in the Valley of Decision, Kadesh Barnea, instead of going across the Jordan, and he has to choose. But he allows the grace of God to bring him inside. Right? So at least he's inside when he denies Christ three times. And some of the other texts are pretty amazing that as soon as he denied him the third time, it doesn't say the rooster crowed. It says, and, and his eyes met Jesus' eyes at the same time. That's pretty crazy. But that's how perfect our God is. Peter says, I swear I didn't know him. And, and then he looks right at him in the face. But it's the same way we're living. We're just living by faith. We don't see it. But in the same realm, when you go out and you deny Christ, he sees you. 
He knows you. He's went before you. He represents you. He's put his spirit in you. You belong to his house, and he's wanting you to be like the Father. So he comes down, and he gives the Father's heart, the Father's life. He walks it out perfectly, the Father's plan, and he wants you to be like that so much that he marries you back into the family so you can be redeemed and at one again with God. Man, we don't have nothing to fear with these people down here. A bottle of booze used to make me not fear nobody. But now we have the Holy Spirit that never leaves us. It doesn't dissipate, Paul says over in Ephesians 4. 5? 5. 4? Yeah. 4, I think. When he says, be always be being filled with the Holy Spirit of promise, not with wine which dissipates, but with the Holy Spirit. This stuff excites me. I hope it excites you guys. Man, to see what God has said to us and, and to sit around and walk around, carry my Bible around like this all the time and go, I'm a big Bible thumper, and then open it up and go, wow, that's what you meant? That blows me away. That's what you were saying? I've been reading this for 26 years, and you meant that? He wants to talk to all of us. So this is the first denial. I am not. Remember, Jesus is the great I am. Ego and me. Yeah, yeah. Who are we? I am not. This is me, oi. Ooh, absolute negative. I am not. He absolute. No, never is what this means. And this girl's asking him, are you one of his disciples? One of the greatest things in this nation was to be a disciple of a famous teacher. If you're, Paul was a, 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 a student of Gamaliel, the famous rabbi. And he's holding their coats while they stoned the first martyr, Stephen, because he was so proud of his teacher. These guys were supposed to be proud of their teacher. And here's Peter. You, can you imagine how humbling this is? When he says, absolutely not. And one of the other texts, when he, gets to, he, he does it with a curse. I think it's with an oath maybe in the King James. And so it's not the same as what we would call cursing or I'd use it to say that you shouldn't be cussing. And I can't use it that way, but you still shouldn't be cussing. So let me digress and go back to this. Um, but he said, I am not. Mm. So now think about this because I want to take you to a place. This is a servant girl, right? A damsel. She's asking the question. Look at Jeremiah 12, 5. I want you to see what God says. In the Old Testament, what page is that on? Jeremiah, what did I say, 12, 5? I need to be more organized sometime. I just wanted you to see this, because this is something that, that we need to understand. In verse 5, if you have run with the footman or the damsel at the door, and they have wearied you, where you said, I am not, then how can you contend with horses? And if in the land of peace, we got a constitution in which you trusted, they wearied you, then how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan when the real storm comes, when the real battle comes? What are you going to do when the flood of evil comes? Because it's coming. Evil's getting worse, and that's why God's revealing more and more of his word. Where 
sin abounds, grace abounds much more, and it's getting worse. Listen, this is preparing you today for your struggles tomorrow. That's what God's doing with Peter. It looks bad. Peter's going to deny him three times. But what does he do? He prepares him to give the first sermon of the church, Acts chapter 2. You crucified the Lord of glory. Got him ready, didn't he? Had to humble him, didn't he? She's, she's just a girl at the door. Why can't he say, yeah, I was, well, I was hanging out with him a little bit. Can, why can't he say something? He's got to say an absolute negative no. What's she going to do to him? Grab him and put some kung fu on him? I mean, she's just a girl at the door. She's a servant. Think about that real long and hard because there's a lot of people out there we're going to talk to tomorrow and we're being equipped to talk to them and they can't do nothing to us. And if they did do anything and they went and got the police and they killed us, they still couldn't take our souls. Only God can cast the body and the soul into hell. All they can do is kill us. And then we cross the finish line and we say, hey, what's up? Let's go. This is, this is amazing. Where's, where's, where's Jesus' throne at? Let's get there. That's the finish line. That's the race over with. Bring it. Seriously. What can they do to us? And we're scared to death of the guy at the gas pump. Not, I mean, not us. People in Texas are. People in Texas, are, we need to send some evangelists down there. They're afraid to talk to people about Jesus at the gas pump. Now the servants and the officers who made a fire of coals and stood there. Now the servants and the officers who had made a fire of coals and stood there. For it was cold and they warmed themselves and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now I just thought it was interesting. I just reason I read it twice is because these that were there assisting and helping and the officers, they've made a fire. That's what they're making for themselves in arresting and leading Jesus away. There's only two places to be. You're going to be with getting ready for a fire or getting ready for his house. There's only two places. And you stand in the door and you have to make this decision. They're stirring up a fire of coals, a bed of coals, and now Peter's over there warming his hands at the fire that they're stirring up because he doesn't want to confess Jesus. So he's warming his hands at the enemy's fire. Where are you warming your hands at when you're silent? Whose fire? There's a consuming fire that wants to burn out everything and allow you to go out and live out loud. And then there's the enemy's fire that just wants you to warm your hands and stand there and say, I am not! And be afraid to share Jesus. I don't know. I'm just talking. Not my word. Who's, where are you warming your hands at? You putting your hand to the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, or are you warming your hands to the enemy's fire? Because Peter's standing with him. He's supposed to be standing in the victory of Christ, and he's warming, him, warming his hands at the fire of the enemy. 
And the word stood right there is not the word histomai from Ephesians 6. It's the word in, E-N. He was in agreement with, standing with them. And he's preparing us right now to know which where we're going to warm our hands. His consuming fire or the enemy's fire. I want to put my hands to his work and trust that everything that comes into my life is his consuming fire that's burning out the dross and making me more like him. Back to Jesus. Now the servants and the officers who had made a fight. No, back to Jesus, verse 19. The high priest, this is Annas, the high priest then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. The disciples, of course, is his learners, his pupils, those that he's been teaching. And doctrine uh, is uh, his instruction. His what he's been teaching them, how to live, those things of that nature. And Jesus answered him. Now listen, I spoke openly to the world. See, because the word of God has went to the whole world. He spoke openly to the world. I always taught in the synagogues, and in the temple where the Jews always meet, and in secret, in cryptos, I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I have said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. Now listen, because you're going to start getting into what Jesus is really saying to the high priest is call some witnesses. Jesus didn't say to him, hey, dude, it's illegal to make me self-incriminate myself which was the law, self-incrimination. But, it, but what things happen in the Jewish law is that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. I haven't done anything secretly. They all heard what I said. Just ask, call some witnesses and let them testify against me, but don't ask me to testify against myself. Since everything I've done has been in the open, they heard it, they should be able to testify. Now remember, they had to bring false witnesses that lied about him in order to get him crucified because he never said anything that was against God or wrong. What was their big thing? He's going to tear down this temple in three days. And he's talking about spiritual things, not physical. But we always look at the physical and we're not looking at the spiritual. He was talking about his crucifixion, him being the temple of God. <coughs> Excuse me. So he's actually just saying to the high priest, I spoke openly. Call some witnesses. They, they bring them out of here because this is a totally illegal trial. We're not going to go back and search and look, but if you did go back and search and look, they weren't supposed to start a trial uh, one day and end it in the same day because they didn't want to go into rash uh, um, decisions. It wasn't supposed to be decided, but they're already going to kill him. They know what they're going to do. You know, you weren't supposed to start a trial at night. You weren't supposed to compel somebody to uh, uh, testify against themselves. I mean, there, there's, there's a ton of things that they're doing. 
Uh, they strike him illegally. There's, there's a ton of things that they're doing wrong instead of calling witnesses and following God's, but they're acting like they're real pious and, and they're really being uh, lawbreakers completely and have already decided that he has to die. But notice this, what Jesus says in verse 21. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. Listen, God, God, God says when people hear him, they know what he says. This is his decision. Jesus says that when you hear him, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me, then you can repeat it. You can talk about it because you heard it. It was your own. It's the voice of your Savior, your God, your Father, your husband. There's many times when somebody would say that I said something, my wife would go, my husband didn't say that. She knows me. She knew me. She knew I didn't say it. Do you know what God has said? Because the enemy is going to come and lie to you and say, this is what he said, the same way he did with Eve. Has God really said? This is always the attack. That's why you have to put on the mind of Christ. You have to, not for salvation, but because of salvation. Now you want to follow. You want to obey. You want to be part of seeing souls saved because you're back in the house of God and you realize that you were deceived by the devil and now you want to walk with God daily. And he does. He walks in your heart with you daily. He's there just like in the garden, and he's planting seeds in there that will grow and produce fruit. But have you really heard his voice? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Listen to me, because if you ask him, why am I not hearing your word? Why am I not hearing your voice? Ask him. Draw near to him. It's not about going up front to an aisle or to a pulpit or to somebody and saying a prayer. It's about being married to your, or being betrothed and married to your husbandman. Becoming one in a love relationship where you two walk together every day. You both agree to the same set of facts that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead. You both say, I will be faithful. And the problem is, is we can't be faithful, so we have to keep coming back. And that should keep us low. That should keep us humble. And he allows those things in your life. Listen, God's not worried about your sin. He already paid for it all. He's wanting you to obey now. Sin is paid for forever. But the enemy gets you focused on the sin instead of Jesus, instead of freedom, instead of liberty, instead of redemption. Now, you can use your freedom as a cloak for vice, and you can walk in sin and go, no big deal. Paul covers that. Don't make a brother stumble. Don't just think you can do anything you want to do. You're supposed to be being a witness. We just talked about it in Peter. You have to be an example, willingly. But God's not freaking out over your sin anymore. Why would he be? He can't look upon it. Jesus died for all the sin of the world. Are we not getting this? Sin is paid for. Now the question is, is will you walk in the newness of life? Will you follow the voice of life? Will you be led by the Spirit of God into all righteousness? Or do we want to keep looking back over our shoulder at our sin and going, well, that was real fun. Yeah, 
It led to death. It'll always lead to death. And if you're busy about doing the Father's business, you won't be looking over your shoulder. Sheep are forward moving. They always move forward. Jesus went forward. He showed them as the shepherd that we're going forward. We're not afraid of these dudes. We don't care if they got 600 or 1,000. We don't care if they got torches and weapons. I could talk to my father. He'd send legions of angels to come down right now. If this was our kingdom, it's not. The physical doesn't matter. It's all about the spiritual. And in the spiritual realm, Jesus already paid for all the sins. But the enemy keeps telling you that your sin is a problem. The enemy keeps telling you that you, and, and don't get me wrong, if you're practicing it, Paul says, God forbid, don't practice it anymore. Certainly not. Which means God forbid in the King James. That's not the direction of our lives anymore. Our new position is, is, is we're set free in Christ. We have a new home. We have a new position. We're seated in heavenly places. This is not even us anymore. But you're practically training your body to be where your position is at, where your life is hidden at, and you're being a witness. That's all I can tell you is that I'm seated in heavenly places, and I'm being a witness about what the Word of God says. Now, if you watch my walk sometimes, you'll say, man, is that guy really saved? I can mess up like anybody. We all can. But my righteousness is from Christ, not from me. But I'm learning to be right living before God because I'm looking to obey. Are you looking to obey or do you believe the lie of the devil that if you say one prayer, you're saved? That's a lie from the devil. But the culturality is doing it everywhere. I don't care what they're doing. What's the word of God say? It's a daily walk. So they're trying to make him uh, uh, self-incriminate himself, and he wants you to be a witness. You witness against him. You tell what he did. Have you heard? Do you know what God has said? Verse 22, And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Now, again, that was an illegal slap. That's not the way you treat anybody. And Jesus answered him, if I have spoken evil, wrongly, illly, bear witness, martyreo, be a witness, bring some witnesses, show me where I've spoken illly, uh, uh, bear witness of the evil, but if well, why do you strike me? Well, because he's living his religious occupation from a man that's walked away from God and looking at a position and smacking the Lord of glory. Listen, it's religion. It's legalism. He's learned, he's learned to stand there and be the assistant to the high priest and protect even when the high priest is wrong. Look around. Look at the churches. Look at the things that are being done. Bunch of religion. Religion. Notice there was silence. Notice nobody bared witness. Notice nobody brought any evil. Notice at Annas' house, nobody said anything that Jesus did wrong. Silence is all he's met with. Because he's innocent. He hasn't done anything wrong. 
He was struck for us. This is the cup. But he's also sealing their fate if they don't repent. Maybe it was this officer that stood at the cross and said, surely this was the Son of God. We don't know. A couple of them did. Maybe this will make them start thinking. Twenty-four. Then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest, according to Rome. Um, we get nothing from that, but he's still bound. He's still being led. It's funny that the word sent is apostello, the same way the father sent him. Now this high priest illegally sends him bound but for this purpose he has come it's the cup that he must drink 25 now simon peter stood and warmed himself he's still there isn't he therefore they said to him while he's standing by the fire one of one of the texts i think it's in matthew says his his uh, words betray him that's a good thing if you're saying stuff out of your mouth and your words betray you even i mean it's a good thing you are not one of his disciples, are you? He's questioned again. He denied it and said, I am not. Same thing. Same thing. One of his servants, verse 26, of the high, one of the servants of the high priest, a kinsman or relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the rooster crowed. Of course, um, Jesus had said, Peter because Peter didn't know his own heart and he didn't know that his heart was still chasing all the physical. He had said to him, Peter, before he said, Peter said in 14, he said, if all betray you, I will not betray you. And Jesus said to him, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times this night. Think about that. And here, obviously it happened. Um, The word here, I, I never mentioned the word before. Voice is phone, and here it's phono. And uh, that's the phonics word that we get. And uh, just interesting to me that everybody has a phone now to hear the Antichrist. And we need to hear Christ's voice, not the Antichrist. But here he is again standing by the enemy's fire. Uh, and he denies Christ three times. He's brought low. Brought low. He even goes back all the way backslidden. Goes back fishing. If you'll remember, after Christ is crucified, they go back fishing. They all follow him. They're still following Peter. Lift up Christ and he'll lift you up. We'll talk some more about this next week, maybe. Humble yourself in his sight, and he will lift you up. And the way we literally lift up Christ, if I be lifted up, he will draw all men to himself, is that we humble ourselves and we stop living our life for ourselves. Because what happens is, is if all you watch is football, then you're going to talk about football. If all you do is your job, then you're going to talk about your job. 
If all you do is you fill in the blank, whatever your high priest is in your life right now, that's what you're talking about. And if Jesus is your high priest, then you're going to be talking about him. But we've been duped and deceived into letting somebody put a false high priest in our life. And our marching orders are coming from whatever that high priest is. And if it's not the high priest that God gave us, according to the order of Melchizedek, who is is never ending, he's always there. If it's not this high priest, then we're going to be talking about something else. And we're going to be afraid of something else. And we're going to be following something else. And we're going to be doing something else. But when we make Christ our high priest, we're going to be finding out what he said. And we're going to be telling others. It's just what witnesses do. It's what servants do. It's what children should do. It's what spouses should do. Is lift up their spouse and make them the best. But we don't even have to do anything to make him the best. He is already King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Find out and testify who he is. But we have to humble ourselves to do that because I have a whole bunch of other things that I want to talk about. They're more interesting to me because I can talk about them without suffering and pain and I can warm my hands at the enemy's camp and talk about them and they'll be okay with me. Listen, it's not about being okay. We're behind enemy lines. You guys know it's not a playground. It's a battleground. So who's your high priest? Is it Christ? Or is something else leading your life? Be allowed the government or Rome or somebody else to put something else in as your high priest. I'm not saying you have to be empty-minded with everything else. Be wise as a serpent and gentle as a dove. But you're here to be a martyreo, a witness to Christ. And on some we have compassion and others we save with fear, hating the garment defiled with the flesh. You might not even be led to witness to some people. But if you let that happen too long, without their response, you'll just be silent. Always. I at least like to hear them squirm a little. Sorry, I'm terrible. They need to know. They don't even know they need to know. You didn't know you needed to know, Jesus. You were always upset with that Jesus freak that was talking about Jesus. But that was the very guy that planted the first seeds in you. And you didn't even know what he was doing. You might not even remember who he was. But they planted seeds in you and other people came and watered them. Be careful. Make Christ your high priest. We'll look at the rest of the trial next week. Take note if you read ahead that in verse 40, they choose Barabbas, the son of the father, the murderer, the insurrection. I just think that the Bible is so perfect that even judgment is laid out here in John in verse 40. That's pretty amazing to me. Father, thank you for your mercy and your grace. And thank you for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And Lord, certainly... Uh, None of us have arrived, and we need help.
pour out your spirit upon us. Baptize us afresh and anew. Send us out to be witnesses, Lord. Help us to understand the cup that we are to be drinking, that we have fellowship with Christ's sufferings. And Lord, help us to forget that which is behind us and press on toward the higher call of God in Christ Jesus. Teach us to lay down our lives, Lord, and to make uh, everything about your kingdom uh, what we speak about. Thank you for Jesus, our high priest forever. Thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I